Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. and welcome back to the Beer Ladies podcast. My name's Erica and I'll be your host today and I'm joined today by three co-hosts, Dean, Lisa, and Carolyn. And before I introduce them, uh, just a reminder that we're on YouTube as well as all the podcatchers uh, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. And if you could like, rate, subscribe, share, um, we are on Twitter at Beer Ladies Pod, and our new updated handle on Instagram is also at Beer Ladies Pod, and you can also find us on Facebook. So please uh, share this with a friend, and let's meet today's co-hosts. So if everyone could say hello. Hey. Hey. Hi. How's everyone doing? <laughs> uh, not so bad. Not so bad. So let's all grab our drinks and get started. Uh, today's topic is all about pumpkin beers. Um, you may have noticed a trend in Ireland, the US, and many other countries. Um, lots of flavors such as pumpkin pies, breads, donuts, scones, coffees, bagels, cupcakes, etc., etc. Um, these can be natural or artificial flavors, and we're going to share with you what we're drinking. So why don't we start with bean? Oh, well, I don't know if anyone else has the Samhain pumpkin ale from White Hag, but that's what's in my glass today. And uh, 6.2% and it's um, in amongst those those White Hag uh, offerings that do have some uh, lactose and, uh, you know, a bit of sugar in amongst the cinnamon and, and hops and ginger and nutmeg and barley. Um, and that can be a little bit polarizing sometimes the lactose, but, um, you know, it's muted and it's beautiful color. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody else has the, the Samhain ale, but that was the pumpkiniest thing that I could find without uh, going very far. I actually had a can of that before we started recording and it was really lovely. And I want to um, applaud you on your pronunciation of Samhain a lot of people mispronounce that word it's really tricky to spell as well so it's an Irish word and how about you Lisa so I have the trouble brewing uh, pumpkin brew so 
Uh, I think we'll get into it a little bit later, but there really are only two for, for the most part when it comes to pumpkin beers in Ireland. So there's the Trouble one and there's the White Hag one. I'm sure there are one-offs by, by other breweries from time to time, but uh, this is my second or third can that I've had this uh, this year. Really, really happy with how it's turned out this year. It's not quite as strong as the White Hag one. It's 4.5%, but uh, definitely a very mellow uh, kind of kind of beer. It is made with pumpkins in the mash, which not all pumpkin beers are, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But it does still have some of those kind of autumnal spices, but they're really, uh, again, they're really mellow. There's nothing overpowering, and it's, it's really nicely balanced. So they... Um, Lads of Trouble did well this year. So good job, guys. And I also have the Trouble one in oh, lovely. its own glass. Um, yeah. Now, Carolyn, what about you? I have two. I have the Shipyard Pumpkin Wheat Ale, and then I have the Harpoon Duncan Pumpkin. So they're both very different. They're both very different in color. <laughs> one's lighter and one's darker. So yeah. We'll try them and see which one I like better. Very good. I'm impressed that we all found pumpkin beers for today. (laughs) Um, So to kick us off, um, I'd like to give Lisa the floor and she's going to discuss the history of using pumpkins and turnips in Halloween um, in Ireland and perhaps some other countries as well. Sure. Thanks. So it's, it's an interesting one because there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of myths built up around it, uh, and there are some things that aren't quite true. But then other things we kind of like to be true as as well. So before I get into kind of pumpkins, I'll I'll circle back first to sort of Samhain, sort of Celtic Harvest Festival type things, All Hallows Eve, um, and All, All Hallows Tide, because there's a couple of different things here that get wrapped up together. Uh, and I think I, I'm going to have to do one little bit of, of myth debunking uh, straight up, which is, you know, it's it's so much fun. And I love the phrase, but you'll hear the, you know, this time of year that the veil between worlds is at its thinnest and it's all very sort of uh, spooky and spiritual and, and all that kind of thing. But unfortunately, there's no great antiquity for that phrase. It first pops up in a related context in sort of 19th century spiritualism. But when we're talking about it being related to Halloween specifically, it's only from the 1970s. So alas, no great uh, antiquity for this. There's also not a lot of um, not a lot of evidence that there is, again, continuity between what may or may not have gone on uh, for Samhain and then what we have kind of for Halloween. But that said, there are a lot of things tied up with Halloween, and we'll get to the bit about the, the turnips and the pumpkins that do have, uh, we'll say, deeper origins that we can actually have good evidence for. So there are certainly things like souling in the medieval period. So you would make soul cakes, you would go from house to house singing souling songs uh, or going around your village. This we do have good evidence for, especially in, in both Ireland and especially the north of England, uh, but, but other parts as well, and as well as the west of England in Cornwall, uh, but, but other places as well. There are also analogs in Italy, uh, a little bit in Spain too, although very, very different climates, of course. But you, a lot of what we do have that we can see some kind of continuity for, and I'm not going to say permanent, you know, real uh, sort of definitive, if you like, continuity, um, is really kind of 16th century, maybe even 15th century, possibly a little bit older. But a lot of these things get sort of um, revived or, or the traditions kind of lock in in sort of late 18th, early 19th centuries. And a lot of this gets exported from Ireland to North America. So that's how 
it kind of ends up snowballing, but I'll, I'll sort of circle back. I, I could go on and on about this for a long time, but I'll stick to the, <laughs> stick to the brief. Uh, the bit with turnips and pumpkins is we do have, um, you know, there, there are folktales, especially in Ireland, about people like Stingy Jack, and he sort of evolves into this jack-o'-lantern type character. But it's also sort of practical. People are going out at night, especially if you're going souling, you want to carry a light with you. So they would have carved a turnip and, you know, put a tallow candle in it. And, you know, turnip is not necessarily huge. And so when people did start getting pumpkins from North America or uh, conversely going to North America and finding pumpkins there, if they had, you know, been immigrants, they're like, these are easier to carve. They're much bigger than they, they were arguably delicious or or not, depending on your point of view. But it's, it's really, you know, turnips from kind of, we'll say the 16th, 16th ish century onward. Uh, and even now there are people who will carve turnips instead of pumpkins as a kind of point of pride, which is fair, all good. I, I'm a big fan of that. And, and I would say when I lived in the North of England as well, there were, were people who did that in the same way you see here in Ireland as a kind of, you know, sticking it to the American consumerism. And again, fair play, all, all good. But uh, again, they're, they're both fun traditions. And I think it's important to acknowledge too, that even though some of these things don't necessarily have huge sort of, um, I'll say ties, if you like, to antiquity, modern belief systems have evolved to kind of give them that kind of, uh, if you like, backstory. And and that's cool too. So I think you also have to kind of respect those things. And uh, I I would encourage people to go off and read a lot of Ronald Hutton. There are some really fun things there to unpack, but long story short, Turnips were around, they were practical. Then pumpkins were around, they were practical. So that's how they all get tied up with Halloween, sort of harvest time, related-ish festivals. Uh, and there's always a little bit of uh, an element of um, divination or uh, we'll say mischief, if you like, tied up in these things. And I think that's important to remember that there's always been an element of fun, even with kind of the the more religious aspect of it. So I know I've not gotten into the brewing part yet. We'll get to that, but <laughs> I wanted to set the scene first. And I actually did see um, one of my neighbors here in Stony Batter had some carved turnips outside this past weekend. Um, And when I lived in England, I noticed um, Mischief Night and Bonfire Night, which are also around this same time as Halloween. So, yeah, um, you also get. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I think it's safe to say that the Beer Ladies podcast ladies all love Halloween and autumn and pumpkin beer. So it's probably um, one of our favorite times of year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's the important thing is, you know, even if we we don't all sort of ascribe to a particular belief around any of the the sort of origins or, or all the rest of it. I have an excuse to dress up. I have an excuse to wear my my little pumpkin and ghost hair clips. We get to drink pumpkin beer. I am I am all for it. And, and I would say I'd love to bring back some of the divination games. There's some really fun things. There, oh, so. okay. Good to know. Now, Bean, would you have any advice for someone who would like to grow something like pumpkins or turnips in their garden or perhaps where in the world this would be possible? Well, I mean, sure. If you want to carve a, a pumpkin or, or a turnip and, and you want to do it from scratch and you've got 100 days for a pumpkin or... 60 days for a turnip, then, um, you know, I say go for it, plant them out in May or June. Okay. And uh, then I'll, I'll, I'll link a couple of nice little podcasts, including last year's The Plant Report with the um, Winter Squash Fan Club. And Ooh. you can, you can totally 
totally um gardener's question time out on that um, <laughs> yeah you and you can use if you even if you don't happen to grow your own you can still use the whole pumpkin you can you can carve it and then you can toast up the seeds uh, there are some some kinds of pumpkins that are um, actually hullless and grown as as snacks like they're you know particular kinds but you can you can make a um, a soup or you can you know there are sweeter kinds there are like little little um really orange ones or different colored ones that are really good for a pie and then mm. those great big ones that you see that are like the prize winning heaviest <laughs> pumpkin that are are kind of for carving but you can still my my one of my friends made this really nice like autumn glory pumpkin roasted centerpiece there's was a whole thing and and uh use use the pumpkin as like kind of the bowl mm. for a bunch of chopped up roasted autumn vegetables and it was it was really nice. And, you know, we, I suppose we must have pretended we were mumming from house to house, trick-or-treating <laughs> as college age and children. Um, but yeah, any, do you guys have any questions about like sewing in modules or sewing direct? I don't think it really matters with um, turnips and maybe orangey yellow swedes quite as much as um, pumpkins. If you want them to, to grow, give them really, really rich um they're they're pretty heavy feeders and you'd want like 20 foot of space for some of them to Hmm. vine out okay so you you may just want to wait wait till the weather's warm and then direct seed them because they will probably just languish um until the weather gets really warm and then they really decide okay we're gonna go otherwise (laughs) they'll just either sit there and rot or sit there and be like oh i don't know it's not really warm enough and then they'll take a hundred days to to mature so but they store so well so that after you have them for decoration you can have them for food very so, good yeah. and do you Squash think are amazing is there um room for importing them in areas where they're not able to grow them or have you heard of that or oh why not because they store so well you can import the fruits very happily sure. yeah and if you were really stuck for for a hundred days for a, a pumpkin or you know five or six weeks for a turnip you could sew in modules and you could try and bring them on a little bit quicker if you were really really stuck you know for that amount of of growing time but sure. yeah I think if you can get away with it, see if you can plant direct in a big nice pile of compost with some manure and look if they happen for you they happen for you yeah, my brother actually has a pumpkin patch and Aww. I was in Minnesota a couple of weeks ago and we took a hay ride by Aww. tractor out there and I think he'd had about 200 that had been picked and oh, wow. about 200 yet to be picked and the kids, um, my niece and nephew, were growing giant pumpkins um, which can be taken to the state fair and you get yeah. ribbons for them. Um, and they were very disappointed because they only weighed 50 pounds and oh, we thought they would weigh 200 because that's what they said. That's what they were going for. Be. Yeah. So. And what did they feed them? Just like horse manure or, oh, I, or I didn't, whatever? I didn't even think to ask them, honestly. Um, mm. Yeah. 
I've um, seen people put down like landscape fabric and then put mm-hmm. the plugs of of their you know either plants for modules or maybe even direct seed right okay. there and then have like sandbags and just rows of of yeah just nearly like mounds and mounds yeah <laughs> pumpkins yeah we I, tried it with landscape fabric one year but it it we, we've never, I guess, lived anywhere where it was a really happy climate for them. We got some in Pennsylvania, never got any in Seattle. It was just too wet. So yeah, uh, but if you can find some like weird looking ones for edible purposes at, yeah. at any sort of farmer's market or shop or, you know, grocery store, and you can just like write a little face on them and then use them for pie or eating. It's absolutely yeah. dual purpose. And you, you could even try and roast or or maybe save the seeds, but they do cross that, um, that the squash family, the cucurbits do really readily cross with one another. So you wouldn't necessarily get the same seeds because people just growing them in a field for, for, you know, selling the fruits of them. They, they probably wouldn't be trying to save a seed that would grow the same again. So. Yeah. And I think some of them can be volunteers as well. Just coming up on their own, you know, and um, I'm mm-hmm. glad you mentioned using them for food, because I think in these days of sustainability, it's important to see that as an ingredient, not just something to be smashed. Um, you <laughs> well, know, that's fun too. And then somebody else <laughs> might eat those too. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think there's definitely room in the Irish market for uh, pumpkin pastas and pizza toppings and pancakes and yeah like um when I was in Colorado recently um I had pumpkin cream cheese and ice cream and really like the sky's the limit so it was nice to see and I didn't get sick of it but um (laughs) uh I was just gonna talk a bit about um pumpkin use and alcohol um It's been used in cider and cocktails as well as beer. Um, I think Carolyn has a stout there. Um, That's one of the common styles it can be used in, as well as a porter, which would be very similar. Um, And then the other one you had there was a wheat beer. Um, I think most commonly here, we'd see them as an ale. And the pumpkin itself is an adjunct. Um, which would be an ingredient that's outside of our main four from the purity law. Um, So some adjuncts like your wheat or corn or rice would be used um, as cheaper kind of extra sources of carbohydrates, Um, but others will be used for flavor. And that's where the pumpkin is used. Um, And this can be canned, which would be kind of a puree form. Uh, it might be the fleshy bits, the meaty bits, um, pumpkin spice, and some of them add in maple syrup or kind of other warm sort of fall spices like vanilla, nutmeg, cinnamon, etc. Um, possibly clove. Um, so the if it's pumpkin itself, that would get baked and is usually added during the beginning of the boil. Um, whereas if you're using like the Trader Joe's spice, um, that would be added towards the very end of the boil. Um, And I wanted to discuss possibly 
other kind of pumpkin adjacent ideas for new product development, because I haven't seen a lot of these and maybe there's a reason why, but um, maybe sweet potatoes or yams, um, gourds, squash. I mean, there's so many kinds of squash that I would love to see in a beer. Um, not sure how it would smell or taste, but butternut squash, acorn squash, spaghetti squash. Do any of you have any ideas or thoughts or feelings about I've, I've had a yam beer before. It, it, they called it Oktoberfest. So <laughs> it was uh, umlaut included. Um, the brewery in question. Um, it was very interesting, actually. But, you know, again, it kind of harkens back to that original idea of, in this case, yes, it's, it's more of an adjunct, like you say, but you know, it, it did start off at, at least the early American ones. This is not a new thing. This is really from the 17th century. It mm. was really, this was an easier way to get fermentable sugars than, sure. you know, having all malt. And, you know, this was, you know, just what you did uh, instead of, you know, malting it and then adding other things. Now, that's not the case these days, of course. It is, like you say, it's more of a flavoring, if indeed there is pumpkin in the brew at all. But because uh, it may just be, like you say, sort of pumpkins pumpkin spice or pumpkin adjacent but I think it's a really interesting idea what are other kind of related things that that could offer maybe a similar flavor profile or um or maybe a related flavor profile but the yam was interesting and and again when you're thinking you know from a sustainability point of view you know what's regional what's what's local to where you are Mm -hmm. is there something that would kind of fill that niche it's a really good question I feel like I heard last year that some breweries use butternut squash over pumpkin because it's like flavorful. I feel like I heard that last year, but I'm not sure if like I dreamed it or somebody said it and maybe it's not true. I don't know. So if anybody knows if they use butternut squash over pumpkin for pumpkin beers, let us know because that'd be interesting. Yeah, definitely the butternut squash and the acorn squash would be like better than your prize winning uh, more sugary and probably more delicious on their own than the prize-winning mm. carvable yeah style of pumpkin sure the the um vegetable spaghetti the spaghetti squash would be it's quite it, it it's funny when you cook it it kind of jewelry isn't a gift you give just once it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market does come apart in these fibers like spaghetti and it's quite light yellow and that would be so much milder Mm. and not as nutty and not as mm, robust yeah with the with those sugars and those like beta carotenes that turn it really orange and so that would be a different more like a wheat ale style something potentially but yeah, the butternut and the acorn and the little uchiki curry, um, Hokkaido squashes, all of those yeah. would be like a dark orange, really, really delicious mm. kind. Yeah, so that would pack a lot of sugar in. Also about that color and kind of that, um, you know, that golden sort of clarity that yeah. you get. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this ale's this yeah. ale is a good color. I mean, it's very light in color versus this other one that's kind of maybe I don't know it's kind of like it's not light in color it looks a little I don't want to say cloudy because I don't know if that's the right word but that's what it looks like to me it's just darker color but cloudy or it's not as clear oh, I guess. hazy October <laughs> hazy there you go and maybe we could make a throwback recipe that's like a, a turnip beer someday so yeah just some experimentation Yes, we could do that. Uh, And and actually, I have had a beer with with parsnips and there were other root vegetables too. I don't think turnips specifically, but again, it was the same brewery and and I'm not naming them because they're now on the the bad list of one that's done bad things to people. So sorry, guys, no, no free publicity, but uh, not in Ireland. uh, So I'll just say (laughs) that, but but interesting things with ingredients. So maybe just try to do better by people. Uh, but yeah, but that was a, a really interesting one was that the parsnip, again, you didn't get, you know, you didn't get a sort of vegetal flavor from, but you, but you did get a sort of earthy kind mm. of character. And that was really interesting. So I, I'd kind of like to see that for like a Burns night supper, sort of like mm. end of January to pair with your whiskey and, you know, you're, you're eating the neeps anyway, so Yeah. And just to totally harp on storage. I actually think that that makes a lot of sense because like those, those big fruits will be available at the middle or the end of winter. Absolutely. So like, it's very exciting to have like harvest come and have pumpkin ale right away, but like they only just are barely ripened and get them off the field and get them into the brewery and get them all (laughs) mashed down and oh extract their sugars ferment them it totally. almost makes more sense to have it after yule yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, and, and i, I think, yeah go ahead lisa no i was just on. gonna say especially here in ireland where the pumpkin beers tend to come later because you know i, I think the growing season is a big piece of it you know what if we yeah. did give them more time to mature and kind of get to you know i mean to be their best selves maybe we don't let them do that so it's an interesting I, I recently read that some consumers were complaining about um, like Halloween items coming out too early and then running out before Halloween. 
<laughs> and I was at a coffee shop yesterday that already had their Christmas flavors oh, yeah. out and it's just it's too soon and yeah. then they complain because there's this knock-on effect of the Christmas ones running out before Christmas and I guess with Canada and the U.S. you know we have that kind of buffer of Thanksgiving where these vegetables are still very much a part of our tradition and you know, they're still being harvested. So um, I think it's down to the availability really and the demand. <laughs> Fair. Um, so with that in mind, um, would anyone like to offer any suggestions of where you might find pumpkin beer in Ireland or the US or in other countries? I just remember I had a really good one in Seattle. And it was spicy, and it was a long time ago. The Elysian, so I don't maybe that's oh, what yeah. it's being called. Yeah. The, uh, is it an owl? Night owl, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's actually another one uh, because when when Elysian was bought <laughs> by I think Inbev, uh, a lot of the people, the original people, left because that's a thing that happens mm-hmm. because beer. But the, a lot of them went over to Cloudburst and they had sort of said, "We're not going to make a pumpkin beer because that one had been so <laughs> iconic." And then they finally made a pumpkin beer. And when they did, it was so good. And I think they mm. called it something like not another pumpkin beer or something <laughs> like that. But it was really, really just top notch, really good stuff. It was sort of, you know, it had started with that kind of base Elysian night owl, but kind of up a notch. It was just delightful. I don't um, actually know how I would get uh, pumpkin ale if it didn't come delivered to my door here. <laughs> Yeah, I, feel I like looked it is in some of here. The, yeah, yeah, I looked in some of the shops, and there really wasn't, you know, in the kind of big main ones that I seem to frequent. Not so much. Not many. I, I feel like you have to really watch watch the Instagrams like a hawk to know when things are coming because I, I happen to get both uh, the the trouble brewing on on tap at uh, at El Mulligan Grocer the other day. So yay, North Side, we've got all the you know, all the good stuff. But uh, I was very lucky too, because when they brought it out to me, they're like, you were the first person to have it on draft in Ireland this year. We've just cleaned the tap lines. Oh. It's, and it was perfect. It was, it was really, really wonderful. Uh, the Bald Eagle in Fibsborough has the Samhain on tap. So if you want to compare contrast, but again, I feel there's this sort of accident of these are both near enough to me that I could, you know, get them in the same weekend. So it's, sure. uh, you know, very convenient, but I, I don't think it's the the case for, for everything and only happen to see it because they both posted on Instagram, Hey, come get them. And, uh, you know, you can't always just be keeping an eye out. Everyone has lives and. Oh, totally. (laughs) I happen to be going to the big romance this coming weekend. And I saw on untapped that they have the white hag Samhain on tap. So I'm looking forward to trying that because last year was the first time I saw that batch. And of course all the pubs were closed. So I don't think they even had many or any kegs of it. So um, did you have to do any pre-orders in the U.S., Carolyn, or how easy was it for you? I mean, I walked into, well, I had to go to two different ones because one of them was pretty much out of the one off can. Mm -hmm. I don't like to buy six packs of stuff until I try it first. (laughs) So I had to, I got one at one total wine and then I had to go to another one this morning to get, to grab the other one. But I feel like it's pretty readily available. I mean, I feel like if you walk into any grocery store or any liquor store or any like craft beer place, they're going to have 
a pumpkin beer, sure, whether it be yeah. local or national. And there's so many there. Yeah. They'll I feel have like people something. listening in North America are so like, what feel, are you talking about? There are thousands yeah, of I feel them. Like, well, not everywhere. <laughs> I feel like it's yeah, more readily, readily available here and you can go and pick it up pretty much yeah, and anywhere. I agree with your point about the multi-packs. Um, yeah. I was going to off licenses in the US and found that a lot of the time I had to buy four more cans and I I just like picking one can of this one can of that um and I had a really nice one at um the rock bottom brewery in Denver um that was probably the nicest pumpkin beer I've had in a long while and then I also um I had a pumpkin cider at one of the tap houses um, in my hometown and my stepdad and my husband really disliked it, (laughs) ordered something else, but my mom really liked it. And that surprised me because I've never seen her drink a cider and she finished almost the entire pint. And I was just really happy to see that because she loves pumpkin and she didn't know that she would love pumpkin cider. And it was just by chance that she got to try it. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I feel like pumpkin beer is hit or miss. Sometimes yeah. it <laughs> tastes like a Yankee candle and other times like it tastes like a pumpkin pie. And, but that's with But that's with anything yeah. pumpkin, like anything that has pumpkin in it. I mean, I know Trader Joe's has all their pumpkin stuff out. Like any pumpkin thing you get, it's going to, you're either going to love it or you might think it's okay or you might. Yeah. And it varies so much. Yeah. Do you think that pumpkin in general or pumpkin beer is a polarizing food or drink? (laughs) Yes. I think people hate it because they blow it up so much and everybody's like pumpkin spice lattes are out in August. Like what is going on people? But it's, it's a good, it's a good question because I, I feel like the, the perception is that it's very, very polarizing. And, and I think it is because of that variability because some just nail it, like just dial it in right at the right spot. Mm-hmm. And then others are like you say, either the Yankee candle kind of thing where I think there even is not like that waxy kind of, character to some that overdo it and I don't yeah. know if it's just in your head because you're like oh it's like a candle or if it is legit like the mouthfeel is in some way sure. you know not good but but even for ones yeah. that I, I know I typically love and I'm thinking of some of the, the North American ones like the, the one that comes to mind for me uh, for that is Southern Tier Pumpkin but sorry Pumpkin where some years it's glorious and it's imperial so it's already strong and you have to kind of be <laughs> be in the mood for it but you know, some years it's just so much that it's like, uh, no, can't do it. Too many, too many flavors all of it once. And other times it's just dead on perfect. And I think, you know, but I think that's good too. You get that kind of variable of variability of a natural product. And it's, you know, you don't know what's going to happen necessarily when you, you know, mix it all up. And so that's kind of the fun of it too, is you hope it's good, but sometimes it's not. And sometimes it's great. And it's, it's kind of the, you know, the thrill of the chase too. Yeah. And I think um, there was a barrel aged one when I was at Great Divide. And I just, I don't really like barrel aged, but I had the regular one and it didn't really have enough pumpkin in it, mm. um, but it was much darker than I thought. And I think it it is kind of hit or miss, maybe depending on that year. Yeah. So um, it, it could be an ingredient that um, is difficult to get consistency with and 
Yeah. Or like, I, and I always love the dogfish head pumpkin ale, which uh, for years was the thing that would sort of herald, you know, autumn to me because I would go and run the, the dogfish dash down there and they would always give you that at the end of the race, along with some of their other beers. But, uh, and that would be sort of late September timeline. And that to me, they, they've always been really good about getting the right mix of kind of spices and there is pumpkin in it, which again, there there isn't always. And I think that's you know, I don't think it's bad necessarily if it doesn't have pumpkin, but you want to know, I think, you know, if that's the thing you're looking for, you just want to know like, well, how did they make it? What was, you know, Mm -hmm. what was the process? And I think especially the ones that do have a relationship with a specific farm or, you know, a specific supplier, maybe it's, it's just nice to see those connections and, you know, it's just good. I like to hear a story and maybe see the images on Instagram or Facebook and, you know, oh, um, I think it's trouble. One of their mothers is the one that grows the the pumpkins and you kind of see like, oh, like she's planted them and they're growing and now they're picking them. And it is just really exciting. And I think we're all pretty passionate about it, but um, I'm sure there are people out there that would maybe thumb their nose at pumpkin beers altogether, (laughs) which is fine because not all of us like every single style of beer. Um, Absolutely. But that brings me to another question. Like, are there different kind of flavors of pumpkin beer that you prefer um, in terms of like sweetness or spiciness or combinations that you've found? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want coffee. <laughs> no, I no coffee. No chili. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Was that the new Belgium one that had like was it jalapeno in it? Oh, that Voodoo Ranger. Yeah, I did not yeah. get a chance. That's to Voodoo try Ranger. It. Yeah, that's I don't Ranger. know I if that sure. made it across the pond this year, but mm-hmm. I know every year we expats are always um, trying to find <laughs> like sharks. The next one, yeah, circling the off licenses. I do. I do like the blend of pumpkin spice, but I don't want it in my mm-hmm. face. Like I want to taste it, but I don't want it to overpower the beer. Like the shipyard, this is my first time trying it. It's very good. Like it has the pumpkin, pumpkin spice in it. There's cinnamon in it, which I like cinnamon. Not everybody does. Sure. But like you can still, yeah. it still tastes like a beer. Yeah. It's still drinking a beer. Just, it has a little bit of spice in it. And that's what I like. I like it to be like I like to still be able yeah, to taste I, I, I'm, it. I'm the like same. I'm and I think there's, there's absolutely a place for kind of like pumpkin cocktail. Like I think that would be mm. fascinating, but to me, that's going to be a different thing. Um, and, and I would just like to have that, you know, right. still be in the beer category. And I think that's one reason I really like this year's trouble is it's really just, again, so beautifully balanced, you know, has some of those spicy characters characteristics, but still very much like this is just such a good solid, you know, sort of pale ale that happens to have, these additional flavors without being overpowering. So that, that's yeah. what I like to go for. I have had some good pumpkin porters in the past where again, you had some of those spices, but not, not overwhelming. And I, I like that, but I'm, I'm, I'm with you, Carolyn. I, I don't want the coffee in the, in the mix. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm drinking the harpoon ducket and I just taste mostly coffee. Like I don't really taste a lot of pumpkin. And obviously Absolutely. this is my personal opinion. Yeah. Somebody's going to taste something completely different than I am. don't come yell at me (laughs) Uh, but uh yeah I just feel like the coffee overpowers the pumpkin and that's just my opinion no I I think actually that the trouble one I would love to have on cask so again Mm. 
mm-hmm. would love to manifest mm-hmm. more cask offerings into the world in Ireland in general. But I think it would actually be really interesting. I think it would bring out some of the flavors a little bit more. Again, not that they're not there, but I think it would be a really way, interesting way to, to, to just kind of get some roundness out of it. Um, just to see what that's like. I think it would be beautiful. So again, just putting that out there. Cask, guys, would be good. Just our own cask. Hey. <laughs> I like your thinking. And I, I think the, the trouble uh, every year is that it sells out so quickly. Yes. So, you know, blink and you miss it. And yeah, I actually um, was looking like a hawk on all the websites and ordered them as soon as I saw them because I knew as soon as we got back to Ireland, they would be sold out. And sure enough, they were. Um, so I think it's Um, really cool that we have such a product here that so many people like and enjoy and look forward to every year and you know it's such an oddity and it's unique and you know that makes it that much more special that we have to wait for it and but like you were saying um, I had I think it was like a pumpkin spice lip balm and I really wanted to like it but I just I didn't and yeah it can be very overpowering so maybe some of the subtle ones are nicer um does anyone have any thoughts or questions or comments before we sort of wrap things up or i think just maybe just one thing about numbers is i I wrote uh an article that we'll link to in the show notes on on the history of pumpkin beer and you know going back to its sort of um you know north american colonial roots and, and all that kind of thing but i was just noticing that when i wrote the article and this would have been back and i think about maybe 2008 or 2009, there were 400 pumpkin beers in North America. And I wonder how many there are now, even kind of post, post-COVID. <laughs> like, is that four figures? I, I, I really don't know. And we're, you know, here in Ireland, we have two. So I, I just wonder like what that, what that looks like in other places. And, and I wonder too about even, even over in the UK, I don't think they have that many. And obviously it's harder to grow here totally understandable from a supply yeah. chain perspective but I, I do wonder like uh w- will we eventually start to to get more because it is something that you know people have this you know desire to get hold of this time of year sure so. yeah no that's very interesting if anyone has that figure and wants to reach out on social yeah, media please do update us yeah uh carolyn did you have any interesting food pairings that you found um yeah for the shipyard i'm drinking it said spicy curry mac and cheese pork tenderloin sweet potato quesadillas mm. which i'm really I'm, not I'm sure not how about that, okay. sweet potato yeah, quesadillas, but um yeah. just well just because i live in texas <laughs> and i feel like that's like sacrilege <laughs> and then it says wings but then i also looked at another article and they said like pecan pie, stuffed mushrooms, chicken and waffles. So I'm not sure if I want to be drinking like a heavy, like mm. a pumpkin beer with chicken and waffles. Uh, chili, apple pie. So, so I think that like pumpkin ravioli. Yeah. So I think anything like along, I guess, I guess along the heartier foods, <laughs> you're going to want to. Yeah, I was thinking of beer. maybe um, seeing if. There's some, I think it's Libby's, the canned pumpkin puree and making some blondies as like a dessert. Um, I was yeah. tempted to bring over some treats, but didn't have room in my carry-on. But um, there are now like um, 
instead of chocolate dipped pretzels, I think it's Flips brand. They have like the pumpkin spice flavor and they're much nicer than I ever anticipated. And the Werther's original have a pumpkin spice, which is really, <laughs> really, really nice. Yes. I thought I'd maybe try one or two and I was blown away. So I think the, the um, expectations have been exceeded in that regard. So um, I, I hope we haven't bored anyone with our, our passion for this ingredient and flavor, but um I'm not yeah. I would totally put that in a pierogi or veridiki or a dumpling yeah. or a yes, or a pasta, yes. a, you know. Oh yeah, that would be lovely. ravioli. Yeah. Yeah, I made a pumpkin risotto the other day. That was that was interesting. It wasn't my it wasn't my favorite thing I made. It was good, but like I wish I would have eaten it like when I made it. Not like you had me at mac it. and cheese, Carolyn. <laughs> so. Yes, same. <laughs> I mean, I love I love a good mac and cheese. <laughs> well, I think um, that's about it for this week's episode. I uh, just wanted to thank Bean and Lisa and Carolyn. Um, this was actually my first ever time as a host. Um, so you made my job very easy and I really enjoyed this. Um, just a reminder to look us up on YouTube as well as wherever you find your podcast. And on social media, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And with that, if everyone wants to say cheers, I think we'll close it out. Cheers. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.